Enterprise Management 360. Welcome to the Enterprise Management 360 podcast. My name is Max Curtin and I'm the editor here at EM360. Today we're going to be speaking to a very special guest. We've got Rajashi Gupta, who is the head of AI at Vast. Rajashi has a PhD in electrical engineering and computer sciences, has a record of innovation with over 200 issued patents in AI, cybersecurity and wireless networking. Welcome Rajashi, it is an absolute honor to have you on the show today. Thank you, it's great to be here. Excellent. So today we're going to be discussing the importance of AI in cybersecurity and the rising threats from hackers and how to overcome this. So I thought I'd jump straight in with the first question here and uh, just get your thoughts on all of this. So there seems to be a small but rising backlash to ML, machine learning, and AI in cybersecurity. From your experience and what you're working on currently, how would you kind of crowd these doubts around AI and cybersecurity? Sorry, Is it just a case of managing expectations with all of this? Pour avoir un site bien conçu et bien référencé, il y a ceux qui galèrent bien. Et puis il y a les autres, ceux qui veulent créer eux-mêmes leur site facilement et ceux qui préfèrent ne rien faire. Pour eux, Yonos s'occupe de tout. Ce qui est sûr, c'est qu'avec Yonos, on peut toujours faire appel à son conseiller personnel, comme s'il était dans le bureau d'à côté. À choisir, vous préférez quoi Un tuto ou un conseiller que vous finirez par tutoyer À bientôt sur Yonos, ionos.fr slash podcast. Bonne écoute It's partially true because if you look at AI and the fantastic advances that AI has made in the last 10 or 15 years, you have to realize that in none of those fields of AI, you know, if you think of vision, think of natural language processing, think of translation, or the best case, think of self-driving cars. In none of these cases do we have to deal with a true adversary. And by a true adversary, I mean somebody who actually has all the economic incentives to try and evade the things, the models that you're building using AI. So cybersecurity, it's easy to say that there's a backlash, but notice the fact that cybersecurity is the most challenging field for AI. At the same time, because of all the tools that are being used by the hackers to make better malware and make better attacks... AI also tends to be the most effective and the best hope for the good guys. And by using, so it does become a challenge of who can use AI better. And uh, so far, the good guys or the white hats have been doing a, a pretty good job. And that's why you don't, uh, you see the entire internet working without being overwhelmed by security problems. That's a very fair point there. I was going to go on to mention that you mentioned hackers there, and obviously hackers have always evolved with the times. Whenever there's been a new adaptation, they're able to overcome it and just finding new and different methods to get around things. One aspect that I found interesting is how hackers will be able to like fool AI cybersecurity by exploiting the classification systems, which the AI uses to kind of train itself. How can you stay one step ahead of this and keep the systems and people safe? It is indeed true. And you have to note that this kind of interaction between the bad guys and the good guys is not new. I mean, this exact same thing has been going on for 30 years, where they would invent a kind of malware, the good guys would invent a defense, and then they would invent a new malware, and the good guys would invent a different defense. And the tools have just changed over the times. 
So 30 years ago, they would write a particular thing and somebody would create a signature because things were very slow. I mean, it would take months for anything to get shared in the internet. Now things go viral in seconds. So you need techniques which are very fast and very adaptive in come AI. So both sides are using AI. So there's basically two answers to your question. The first is to innovate on the solutions and to invest in research on the solutions more than what the hackers can do. I mean, I have a firm belief. I mean, I am a good guy and I have a firm belief that there are many more smart good guys than there are smart bad guys. So we definitely have an advantage on the brain power side. We are investing very heavily on the research side and the computation side to stay ahead of the game. So that's sort of the defensive technique. You know, you put your defenses and you keep improving them before the attackers can overwhelm you. The other technique is that the way you stay ahead of it is the fact that you actually build techniques that identify these kinds of attacks. So when hackers are able to exploit classification systems and when hackers are trying to defeat the existing classification systems, you not only make your walls higher, but you also create the methods to identify these attacks and take them down. So I'll give a very simple example. I mean, I'll give two simple examples, actually. The first of all, typically these kinds of attacks are called example attacks. So if you let a hacker, and a hacker can possibly defeat your classification if they try a few million examples and learn from the responses. And this is how theoretical work does. But in real life, in practice, we never, ever allow any hacker to try a million examples on our system. We will block them a hundred times sooner because we have engines that track what the GUIDs and what the users are doing against our system. And we try to stop them whenever we feel that it's something going or I. Now, I'll give you a very concrete number here. So we have such an engine and in the last year we identified specifically 422 different GUIDs. And by GUIDs, I mean our vast endpoints which connect to our, our backend. We identified 422 GUIDs who were trying to attack our system, and we blocked them. And these attacks can take some very simple or more complex forms. So the simple forms are where they put the Avast engine into a virtual machine, 40 or 50 virtual machines running on the same server, and they try to do many, many tests against us. Another simple attack is where somebody tries to do like 2,000 files against our system, and we catch it. The third one is most interesting whereby somebody was trying to basically take, let's say, you know, you take a, a 500 kilobyte file and they were trying to zero out 100 bytes at a time and to try and identify where in the executable file where our detections catching them. So these are all very interesting and good tricks to try and evade our classifier. But hey, we are also there to identify when somebody is trying to do these kinds of attacks. Yeah, completely. No, that's that's very interesting. Different methods trying to get through. And as you say, as long as you test against them, then you can come up with new ways to block them. That's, that's fascinating. One aspect I was going to talk about that hackers have kind of been using. So you mentioned in their signature databases, but also intrusion patterns for how AI learns all of this technology. But as you say, when you've got the good guys and the bad guys, and some people just get more and more learning, you've got some intelligent bad guys out there the ones that are able to scrub their tracks. So if a hacker can eliminate their presence from the logs, then the security team has nothing in which to train the AI on to prevent a similar attack in the future. So when I was looking at this, there were aspects of such as blockchain technology that can help with this. Is that how you can see this issue being resolved or or is there another method? 
So, no, actually, I would give a different answer to that. First of all, I will tell you that this is a big difference between the consumer world versus the enterprise world. So you are talking to a person in enterprise security, they have very large systems where they are collecting logs and then there is SIM analysis tools and they look at the tools and so on. In the consumer space, like where Avast is, there are no logs. You're in somebody's home and nobody's keeping logs. And so this whole problem doesn't exist for us because we don't have any of the logs that we can go back to. That's sort of the unfortunate situation that we don't invest in as a consumer company This is not a problem for us. Not applicable is the correct term. But to give a more general answer, though, that today what you're describing, which is look at logs and try and identify it, that's the realm of forensics, where you go back and identify what's been happening and realize what you can do to fix it. As far as classification and stopping attacks are concerned, today forensics are no longer that useful. Because with the speed that the attackers can achieve right now, forensic time is measured in weeks and attackers can finish the entire attack in minutes. It's very easy for an attacker to come in, do the thing you want, get out, delete everything and be gone in less than an hour. I mean, an hour is a long time. So as such, there is a lot more emphasis in the security world right now in real time detection. And that's where AI comes into play, because AI is very, very good at identifying unknown patterns and identifying patterns which we haven't seen before and blocking this thing. Yes, of course, AI can be used to scour through big data amounts in SIM, but a lot of the security work that's going on at present is to focusing on real-time attack versus forensics, where the concept of deleting logs is immaterial because you either stop the attack as it's happening or you don't. And when you don't, the bad thing has already happened. So it, it, it's purely a base of time and just making sure that reaction is, is, is there at its quickest point. Yes, it's much more effective and much more, I would say, economically, you get the best bang for the buck if the dollars are invested in stopping the attack as it's happening, not in trying to find the attack when it happened three months ago. So what are some of the key threat areas that you have seen recently? What's the best way to combat them? Is a multi-algorithm system the best approach here? That's a very good point, actually. I mean, you know, a multi-algorithm or in machine learning terms, we call it ensemble methods. Most of the security world and security AI world is using ensemble methods. And ensemble is a nice English word. It's a nice ML word. But the best way to think about it is that there are many different things that the attackers can do. And instead of trying to build one single thing that might be able to do catch everything, well, you build many different things which are optimized for the specific type of attack or the specific class of attacks. Then you build some kind of an umbrella that captures all of them together and connects all the different techniques together. There is sort of a much more practical reason for doing it is because there are different people and different researchers and different teams and who are developing these tools at different times. So it's quite possible that you develop a tool today, you develop a tool next year, you develop a tool the following year. So it's practically difficult to try and and rebuild your whole classifier every time. So if, on the other hand, if you have a good ensemble, then you can keep adding new components to it as and when you develop them. So for both for practical reasons and for theoretical reasons, your suggestion of multi-algorithm systems is the best approach. I agree. Excellent, excellent. Well, I feel in safe hands after that conversation, so that's good. In relation to all of this, though, from your standpoint, what kind of keeps you up at night when you think about this kind of stuff? 
I think that's an easy question. And as you might imagine, I get that a lot. And I have a very, very specific answer to it. It's the proliferation of enormous number of IoT devices and homes. Because IoT devices have a whole range of issues for them, which together make it very difficult to protect them. And I'll list them very easily. So first of all, IoT devices are built by consumer electronic companies who are not security companies. So their main motivation is to do features and price. And connectivity is very important because everybody wants to know your thermostat and your garage door from your phone. And so they're all being connected. So you have these millions or, I mean, I guess if you look at the things, there are billions of IoT devices that are being released into the world with very little security and they're all connected. So then obviously to a security company, the question becomes, you need to protect them. But the big challenge is that these devices, they have no ability to take on extra security software on them. So you can't go and install an Avast software on your dishwasher. So therefore, they are all connected. They're all, they're not great in security and you can't put security software on them. And finally, even when someone somewhere, some security company or some white hat researcher finds a security flaw, it's extremely difficult to go and update or patch these devices. So given all this combination and you look at anybody's home, including mine, you will see a number of devices which are connected, which are sitting in your home, which can therefore are very close to your PC and your other things. And uh, it's very hard to secure them. So that's what keeps me up at night. It's also what we are working on very heavily to try and protect these things from the network. You've kind of made me worried now because I have the same situation as you. I've got quite a few devices at home and that's something that's never really entered into my thought process before. It's a good occasion to talk about what the industry is doing about it and because it's also a very big use case for AI insecurity. Where So now the best thing you can do or the only thing you can do for these devices is to look at what they're doing on the network. So you go from trying to do device security or trying to do OS security to the realm of network security where you're essentially looking at network packets and trying to figure out if things are good or are they anomalous. The advantage here, or the other side, the good side of the coin here, is that most of the IoT devices have a very limited and structured set of things that they do, especially on the network. So it's much easier for a machine learning engine to detect when an anomaly happens. And that is what we are investing in and several other companies in this space are investing in is to build a machine learning engines that work off of network traffic and are able to identify anomalies in the system. So you're trading off lack of visibility with a much more structured view and with good machine learning engines, you can then get the same uh, characteristics that you had before, which is you know real time, very quick and all that stuff. It's nice to see that there are approaches being made to go towards that to get it into a safer situation. Um, I feel like everyone else listening to this can feel a bit safer about that now. <laughs> but thank you, Rajashi, for taking the time to talk to us today. Your insight into all of this was fascinating. Thank you to everyone for listening and make sure to subscribe to this podcast for more insightful Ask the Expert interviews. But Rajashi, thank you very much. Thank you, Max. Thanks for a great set of questions. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. For more podcasts like this, head to em360tech.com. Pour avoir un site bien conçu et bien référencé, il y a ceux qui galèrent bien. Et puis il y a les autres, ceux qui veulent créer eux-mêmes leur site facilement et ceux qui préfèrent ne rien faire. Pour eux, Yono s'occupe de tout. 
Ce qui est sûr, c'est qu'avec Yonos, on peut toujours faire appel à son conseiller personnel, comme s'il était dans le bureau d'à côté. À choisir, vous préférez quoi Un tuto ou un conseiller que vous finirez par tutoyer À bientôt sur Yonos, ionos.fr slash podcast. Bonne écoute